everyone. Welcome to Pop Culture Period Peace Podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Julie. And today we're going to talk about a pop culture period piece and whatever conversations it inspires. Uh, and today we are talking about ro- it's romance month, February. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, says the single girl. So we're going to be talking about what movie, Julie? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Did you, was that a burp or a gasp? No, it was a hiccup. I only oh, get okay. one hiccup. Have we never talked about this? No. I, I get a hiccup. I am in a cast. We're going to go down a hiccup journey. I am in a cast with three people. Um, I'm doing a, a Neverland immersive experience. Um, come see us in Pittsburgh uh, till June. Um, but three of the girls in my cast have chronic hiccups where they have hiccups that last like four or five days in a row. It's an actual oh condition. Yeah. But you only get one. You have the opposite. Yeah. If, if I get like, quote unquote, the hiccups. Mm-hmm. There's something going on. It's very intense. Mm-hmm. So, what movie are we talking about today? Ever after. Oh, ever after. The pit. Can I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I right out the gate point out how old we are? Because when I was searching for it to try and watch it. Oh no. Ever after a Cinderella story with Hilary Duff. Mm-hmm. was constantly the top search. And she uh, has kids now, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, cheers, everyone. Take a shot. <laughs> this is one of the few episodes, because usually we're Sunday mornings and we're recording on a Friday night, so we're, we're a little few shots in, so it's great. Or a few <laughs> glasses of wine in. Um, what are you looking forward? Not but oh shit! I don't even know our format. This is what I get. <laughs> uh, what are your recommendations, Dooley? <laughs> sure. Um, I do. I want to talk about a book again. Um, a beautiful song. <laughs> I think I do. Okay, so I just finished um, a JoJo Moyes book, mm-hmm. and oh. I, I I never actually read any of JoJo Moyes books. Mm-hmm. And so I had a preconceived notion because I'd only seen one movie and I, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to, it's a romance. Um, it was recommended <laughs> to me by someone from work who I deeply respect. Mm-hmm. And it's a book called The Giver of Stars. Ooh. And it is not what I thought it would be. Um, I'm so glad I picked it up. It is based on a true story about um, a works product project administration traveling library. Um, Ooh. And just some some things that go go on, and it it just there there was a part that I will admit I threw the book on the ground uh, <gasps> while at work. I'll probably be pulled into the office next time I were at work because I did curse and was very angry. Um, but other than <laughs> that moment, <laughs> it was just it was really really good. It was really good. That's- so I'm gonna recommend that, and I'm also gonna recommend. Not judging a book by its cover because that is literally what I did. <laughs> well, I I remember very distinctly the three books that I threw while reading them. And that just means it was a good book or that you really love the character so much that you're like, I'm going to create their story for them. And then when it doesn't happen. So. Yeah. I can't talk about why I threw it. <laughs> 
but it's not exactly that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind that. Never mind. I just mine were usually um there yeah. there are <laughs> there are certain plot devices that I really don't that just feel cheap to me. Ah, got it. So and you're like, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So um for me, do I want to talk about therapy again? Yes, I do. Uh, so, <laughs> so in therapy for me, um, just if any of our listeners, this is the thing I recommend is that I'm really good at like negative talk to myself. I can always say like, oh, you're overreacting or you shouldn't feel this way or like negative talk. And so my therapist has been like, what about positive talk? Like, what if the food you're craving is perfect? Like this is perfect for what I'm craving right now. Or your body is perfect for like your body is perfect. Stop full stop. Or, you know, like your feelings are valid. And I, um, I'm not that good at it, but I'm practicing it. And I feel like it is helping in certain situations. So highly recommend. Um, I'm, I'm going to also shout out to you. You have been doing a series on your Instagram oh. <laughs> of just like self-love and appreciation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been so lovely to witness and experience. So thank you for sharing that with everyone. Oh, you're, <laughs> uh, you are welcome. It is the hardest thing to write. Um, I'm sure that like from an audience perspective, it may seem very like vain, but for me, it truly is like, no, you're going to actually hit share that you Mm -hmm. love your body. Mm -hmm. You're going to hit share that you love this thing about yourself. You're going to actually say it out loud and people are going to know. And that's okay. And like the amount of like back and forth, I feel during that is, is, um, is sad, but I think it's something that a lot of I don't want to say like women, cause I'm sure it's not a gender, but I think a lot of people have grown up in like the millennial or Gen Z, like just in today's America where it's like, I, if I am happy with some part of myself, it is vain. Yep. And it's, I, you yeah. can't do it right. There's no, yeah. yeah. And if I'm sad about some part of myself, then I like, then I'm just wanting attention. And so to, yeah. So it's been, a, it's been a mental journey if anything else, but I'm glad you enjoyed can I can I also say that I like having worked at theme parks for so long where Mm -hmm. every character I played was youthful and everything um I've I've been really anxious about aging and you know growing up Mm -hmm. um I think that you know in my experience I I definitely felt like I experienced uh Peter Pan syndrome and I'm sure a lot of people that, you know, oh, me too. Yeah, their, totally. their job or their casting or whatever is based on sort of a, an ageless experience. But the discovery of the term elder millennial, <laughs> I can't, I have embraced that label mm-hmm. so hard. Mm-hmm. Like I celebrate it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm an elder millennial. Look out world. I, I think it's interesting. Cause like maybe before this year or I don't know, before I got on new meds, whatever, but like, I, I always wanted to be like 
hip looking and like, mm-hmm. Ooh, what's the latest fashion? What's the latest trends? And just going like the adjustment of, Oh no, this is just my body right now. And this is what it's going to look in now. And that should be the fashion trend is what I look good in right now. And there's, yeah, yeah there's, um, I've been reading a book, the happiness trap, also mm-hmm. a thing I can recommend, but this you idea to me that two days ago, <laughs> yes, this idea that happiness is our neutral mm-hmm. is not possible. Happiness, happiness is not our neutral. It's another state of being. We cannot be happy all the time. And when we feel like we have to be happy all the time, that means when we're not happy, we think we're doing something wrong or we're mm-hmm. not fully achieving it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like a part of this like happy talk journey or, or, or positive self-talk journey that I'm on is like, if I'm not doing anything, instead of saying like, oh, you're being lazy. Cause I think we've, I've grown mm-hmm. up with the, if you're bored, you're, you're being lazy. Is like, if you're not doing anything, you are resting. Like, this is good. You are resting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I am, if I am, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Like, if I am um, sad, being like, this is good. You are feeling like all of it is good. Everything you experience is beautiful and unique and it's all good. And we, we just put so much like negative thoughts on what we do that it just makes it worse. And really we're just existing. Geez, I don't know, Laura. Maybe we should have wine and liquor before every recording. <laughs> I'm so slightly terrified we're going to listen to this back and be like, what was happening? I, yeah, I have uh, friends of mine. I was living in a frat house for a very long time. Uh, I was president of fraternity, <laughs> humble brag. Um, but I was living in a frat house and my, I would not because uh, I'm a prude, but my roommates would get high all the time and then write in a notebook all the funny shit they said, but then they would read it back and it would not be funny. And I'm slightly afraid that's going to happen with this podcast, but it's okay. <laughs> We're like, look, at, listen how sightful we are. Um, it's funny. I actually uh, weirdly am positive about myself when I listen to our podcast. <gasps> oh, um, very cool. I think, oh, I like my voice and this, that, and the other. And I know that sounds weird. And I'm <gasps> avoiding like- feeling like I'm vain by thinking it. But it's it's not often that I'm thinking, oh, I like my insert name of thing. So I, I I like the sound of our voices together, Laura. Oh, my gosh. Sweet. We're going to get an email from our producer that's like, no more wine before <laughs> no, more, no more alcohol. Um, so our <laughs> sorry, recommendation, Val. sorry, Val. Um, our recommendation is, I guess, just to love yourself and realize that, like, everything you do is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. our, got our a theme here, and I love that. Yeah. Speaking of beautiful, let's talk about Ever After. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So do you want to give a summary or do you want me to give a summary? You chose the movie. You do the summary. You have forgotten our process. I did. I have two shots of rum and I'm out. Um, Okay. So here's the summary is that uh, Ever After is a movie that came out in the 90s. And it is about um, Nicole Delancre, um, who is uh, a... It's a Cinderella story uh, starring mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore, but it is a very historically accurate Cinderella story starring Drew Barrymore. 
and uh, it also has Angelica Houston in it, and it shaped my childhood. And oh. yeah, it's right out the gate. Well, not shaped my childhood. I guess like this was the first re- movie I do remember crying to. Mm-hmm. That was a romantic adult movie. Um, I remember we got we rented it from Blockbuster. Dr- take a shot. My mom and I, and I, I'm not a big romance per, well, I actually am now, but I, you know, I was a kid when this came out really. And I just remember crying hysterically during certain parts of it. And just realizing that like I had adult feelings because before that it was like Fox and the Hound and stuff like that. It, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we can state straight out the gate because I think sometimes we not sometimes like we do sort of discuss, um, you know, what is the historical accuracy and and all of that when we're discussing these movies. None, none of these historical figures should be in the same room in the timestamps that are happening. Um, It is historical fan fiction. Yes. Yeah. What a perfect description of that. So you're welcome. Now that we've gotten that out of the yeah. way, <laughs> everything else becomes art. Yes. Yeah, it's historical fan. And I think I'm I think I'm realizing that I'm leaning more towards that in like and I always have leaned more towards historical fan fiction of like what if we put these seven people in a room that shouldn't exist? Like I have read so many Sherlock Holmes with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Sherlock Holmes with Dracula and like weird mixes and mashups like league of extraordinary gentlemen is one of my favorite comic like Mm, epic novel mm -hmm. series and so ever after is that like i'm just gonna put these seven people in a room and put a story together that we all know and rip your heart out yeah yeah do you remember the first time you saw it julie I don't actually. I do not think it was in a theater. I do mm-hmm. not think it was rented. Mm-hmm. I will not eat green eggs and ham. Um, <laughs> I own it. Mm-hmm. And I suspect, knowing myself, do you remember like years ago? I mean, it's probably still the case. I just haven't been there in years. But Walmart used to have that like center- $5 bin yeah oh yeah i think i got it there so i was probably a late bloomer on watching this circa 2009 was it that reason in my head it was like 2001 i mean i'm sure that that bin had been there forever i did not get a blu-ray player or a dvd oh this wasn't a blue oh dvd okay yeah 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 yeah. i did not get a dvd player until i was in college because my family is like well, they were anti-new technology until I went to college, and then now they just keep going with the times. It's fine. I'm not bitter about it at all. And they just wanted a computer. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I love, first off, like Drew Barrymore as a romantic lead, and she does it so much. I, I will watch any romance movie Drew Barrymore is in because she is not... Um, I don't know like your typical like even though she like grew up in the Hollywood system she's not your typical leading lady especially in the mid 90s I I adore Drew Barrymore yeah even now her makeup line is 
I love it. And her um, talk show. Do you know that mm-hmm. she is in her cookware? A, her cookware, A Castle for Christmas, the Netflix uh, movie, like no. as herself in the talk show? Yes. Do they still have the holiday movies on Netflix? They do. They do. My friends and I, I'm, I'm <laughs> humble brag again. Uh, I'm going to Scotland <laughs> uh, in, a, in a few months. And so we all got together, the three of us that are going to watch A Castle for Christmas and be like, this is what's going to happen to us. <laughs> We're going to meet like the love of our lives in Scotland manifesting. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's phenomenal. Um. So this is a thing I did for this movie that I actually hadn't done before. And I think I'm going to start doing. Mm-hmm. I watched the trailer for it. <gasps> I did too. It is the most, it is a nineties time capsule. Oh yeah. That trailer. Mm-hmm. And when I first started watching this, I thought is this is so nineties. I cannot tell if this is really a trailer or an homage to the nineties. Mm-hmm. So really? I, I absolutely am going to start watching the trailers because I think it's so interesting to see sort of our perspective now, but also what where things were when these movies premiered. Yeah. I mean, do you remember when like every every trailer had the voiceover and the like in a world? <laughs> but like that wasn't that I say that wasn't that long ago. It was probably 20 years ago. But now every and then the last like three or four years, the trailers have been slow, creepy versions of very popular songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially like romance movies like Fifty Shades of Grey, Maleficent did it. Wait, is Fifty Shades of Grey considered a romance movie? I mean, it's like in that weird area, like dark romance. The Christian Grey area? Yeah, get, get out. I knew it. You were doing that slow, like the. Bleh. I was I like, know, oh, here I we know. go. I have one note and I'm doing a bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, like, like trailers definitely go through themes, and this one definitely lives in the, in the mid 90s. I will always remember the Never Been Kissed trailer. I don't know what movie it was in front. It might have been in front of Ever After. Because I will always remember the Never Been Kissed trailer because I watched Ever After so much on the VHS. Because <laughs> it starts with my semester in high school, Josie Geller. <laughs> and that's how it starts. With like music underneath it. Okay. Okay. I, I just, okay. First of all, Drew Barrymore is, is lovely in this movie. I yeah. will take no disagreement. Um, but (laughs) there all of the performances are just all of the nope i'm gonna say something you might disagree all the performances from the women in this film are juicy Mm -hmm. um i elaborate i'm trying not to mean i don't know why like do gray scott's gonna be like that girl was so mean about me (laughs) I he listen was, to their podcast every week until now. He, he was fine. He mm-hmm. was fine. But I, there was nothing that needed it to be him and only him. Mm-hmm. But Megan Dodds as Marguerite mm-hmm. and all oh. hail Melanie Linsky as Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Just I, I have always loved her career. I've loved her career for many reasons. Um, 
she's she's fantastic in everything I have seen her in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, she is a beautiful woman, just yes. absolutely stunning. And and she is by all other standards an average build. Yes, and I will say that, like, I think another reason why this movie was so impactful is I think this is when I just, like, started to realize that the 90s, like, beauty standard was bullshit. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, why are we making jokes about her? Fuck off. And also, I mean, Drew Barrymore was also not the size of the 90s beauty standards and also stunning. But the the thing that sort of makes me a little stick to my stomach is that Melanie Linsky is still dealing with this. There's been a ton mm-hmm. of press about her in Yellow Jackets, and none of it has been about her phenomenal performance. Mm-hmm. It's all about sort of backlash about her quote unquote weight and how it was suggested that she lose weight. Just all of this stuff that just enrages me. And I feel like this is the first movie that I became aware of her. And yeah. you see the the burning, like, oh, the scene where Marguerite is like, you can have your mother's shoes or, or was it Marguerite that said it or the stepmother? One of them gave- oh, Angelica her- Houston and then yeah. Marguerite throws them in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's like, you can have your mother's shoes or your father's notebook. Mm-hmm. And so she gives up the shoes for her father's notebook and they throw the notebook in the fire anyway. And then Angelica Houston just holds her so she can't even pull this burning book out of the fire. I Mm -hmm. just, oh. Mm -hmm. I, there are moments of Angelica Houston's performance that truly like still slightly terrify me. Mm -hmm. And I think this was another, I don't know, like adult, adult movie that I watched where I was like oh villains have so many layers because her first scene when she is like don't leave me like this please don't leave me here don't leave me here please don't leave me here Mm -hmm. is devastating because you know it's like oh she's evil stepmother she's evil stepmother and the way that it's written and also the way that it's performed you really understand her plight of like she left her world to have a relationship with this man and to have the money around it. And then he's gone and she's just saddled with like strange, like nothing in this world is hers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so like, and just her singing, like not singing, (laughs) saying, uh, please don't leave me here. You cannot leave me here. Just lets the audience know, like she is hurting and trying to find her way through that does not dismiss how horrible she is. But it definitely, like, shows that. And then the end when Angelica Houston is, like, they say something about, like, you'll be going for a very long time. And they keep talking about the colonies, the colonies, and they don't want to go, you know. And she she just says, oh, well, where will where might that be? Like, just the way she says, where might that be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her verdict is fascinating and flawless. So I agree. I do believe whoever, whatever actor played the king or two, excuse me, whoever played the king and Gustav are two individuals who could not have been recast. The prince, meh. So. Um, 
there are also you know every movie has sort of like their take on the cinderella story um but i do think that the relationship between cinderella and the stepmother is is really unique in this movie this mm-hmm. is the only movie i can think of where like cinderella calls out the way that she's been treated oh, yeah and she like she just has this beautiful speech where she says like was there ever a time that <laughs> and and just the response of how can you know was there ever a time that you loved me and the response of how can anyone love a pebble in the shoe? And I think going back to what you said about the, you know, don't leave me, don't leave me. It shows mm-hmm. how just horrible she has become. Mm-hmm. But she didn't walk in there as an evil stepmother. Mm-hmm. She became that. Yeah. Well, and I think there is something to say about how, like I said, not an excuse. But whenever there's a traumatic event that you realize one, one traumatic event can change your entire life, that you, people become more closed in and they protect their own and they don't protect those around them. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. um, and that's like, that is what creates a lot of villains is there's a traumatic event or an experience. And then you're like, you know what? I have to protect my own and everyone outside my own is the other and screw that. And so even something as simple as a Cinderella story becomes like them, like Cinderella did nothing wrong, but she is the other and I need to protect my daughters and screw you. Like, yeah. Mm. Anywho, so the costumes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I really love medieval peasant wear. I think it's (laughs) 10 times beautiful than like medieval dresses. Oh my God. It's just the most Laura expression. I love medieval peasant wear. You sound exactly like me. Yes. (laughs) But the like dress that she's wearing when she, and like it's aged so well when she throws the apple at him. Oh, Oh, such a great moment. Um, Speaking of which, another moment, I really feel like this movie radicalized a lot of women our age, because not only do you have utopia, so it's talking about like a utopian society. So this is the first time, you know, growing up, I was like, ooh, I need to read this book. And I did. But then the the moment when the the individuals um, say like, you can take whatever you can carry, the marauders, if you will, you can take whatever you can carry. And she picks him up. Yes. And and that was a moment where it was like, that's how strong I want to be. Not how skinny I want to be. Not how like, Mm -hmm. I want to be strong enough to carry my boyfriend away from marauders in a dress and then they're so impressed that they want us all to get drunk together. Like that, that is how I lived my life. I don't think you're surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it, it's so, it's so funny. The journey I went on, like when, when the truth comes out at the mm-hmm. ball, Ugh. I got, I got so mad and yeah. I thought, you know what? The, none of this is justified. He should be forgiving her right away, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever. And then when we got to the scene later where he did apologize, um, 
I was more accepting of it, but just that moment when she says, like, say it again. And mm-hmm. he thinks that she's talking about like his feelings for her. And she says, No, no, no. My, My name. name. The the moment where she this is us just going the moment, this whole podcast. Um <laughs> The moment I started crying, I remember very distinctly as a kid, and then it just kept going, kept going, kept going, was like, until the moment where you said my name, um, whenever she gets whipped, mm-hmm. and then she goes to meet him, and she's like, we have to end it, you have to, and he hugs her, and she's just crying, and like, you can tell, Drew Barrymore, you're flawless, be on our podcast, be my friend, but like, the moment that her just cry as he's hugging her is the most beautiful mixture of pain and like emotional pain and you can Mm -hmm. hear it both so if you could cast a different prince who would you cast Ooh, from the drew barrymore era or now as Uh, if they were do do either or dealers okay this movie came out in 1999 Mm mm-hmm I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio comes to mind. But I don't think he would have had the, like, presence of the prince at this point. In 99? He he did Titanic in 97. But he was was Manic Princey Dream Boy still. Like, he wasn't Gatsby yet. DiCaprio? Not DiCaprio. (laughs) Let me just repeat it excessively. Um, Keanu Reeves was also on my wall during this era. See, I think I'm going to another Titanic person. Okay. Oh. I I think Billy Zane would have actually been great. Yes. Yep. Oh, that's a, yeah. I know we already did a Titanic episode, but I will still come back to the fact that he is the most, like, you understand that villain. You understand how his upbringing and his environment Mm -hmm. made him who he is. And Mm -hmm. you understand all of his motivation. Well, and I think you would understand it if, like him as the prince too. So, um, unrelated, I just did a search for attractive men, nineteen ninety nine. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, well, the first thing is like the Wikipedia entry for the people's sexiest man alive. In nineteen ninety nine, it was Richard Gere. I never understood that one. Like, I, I, I understand that he is attractive, but, like, Sexiest Man Alive has always been the one that I'm like, oh, all right. Now now I'm, like, going back to, oh, sorry. I just thought of a movie that I want to do okay. for, for one of our discussions. Okay. I'm going, I'm going to the cast of, like, White Squall. Okay. Um, Ryan Philippe, he could play the prince. Oh, all right. Uh, actually, Jude Law was initially under consideration <gasps> oh yep. yep yep there it is oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is i don't think he did a bad job it's just like i do think he could have been recast too and it would have made because like you're right the women in this movie are flawless and that you know what i wonder if it, that's actually the writing like the the focus is on them and you yeah. think of how many movies where the women are written as one-dimensional characters yeah and this time and it's, it's like the, the, it flipped yeah, yeah that was the writing that they got do you know why jude law didn't do it no do okay you know? oh. no 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 oh. no i just didn't know if you were like 
in a Google no because I'm wondering him yeah Jude here he is now um (laughs) (laughs) what if this whole thing was just a setup to like surprise Jude Law interview (laughs) oh my gosh I would I you know let's talk about the holiday um anyway I I'm wondering this is total speculation. I'm wondering if Jude Law probably read it and was like, eh, I, like it's not a big character. I do like now that we're, we've talked about like the notebook and Titanic. And I do think this is when we started to see a major shift in like the female gaze. Yes. I'm back on that listeners. Um, because <laughs> if you think about the things that like she, like he took her to, it was like, mm-hmm the monastery where all the books were and then they went to the like if a man took me to an abandoned ruins of a castle to talk to me about how much he loved me son of a bitch you know like those are the things that I think a lot of women Mm -hmm. really want is a man to like pick out a book you can have anyone you want yes (gasps) okay so we Okay, so something we do need to talk about is the servants, mm-hmm. the friends, and Leonardo da Vinci, because I feel like unlike a lot of romantic movies, you have a really heartfelt connection with all of the uh, her friends, which are like the servants and Leonardo da Vinci randomly. Can I make a bold statement? Yes. Did we need Leonardo da Vinci to further the plot? Well, it's the framing device, right? Like, well, it's the Grimm's fairy tales is the framing device. So I don't think, like, I don't think we needed Grimm's fairy tales or Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. I bet the studio needed them to convince people to do it. Like oh, like big run in popularity of Leonardo da Vinci in 1999. But there was, and there also was a big popularity of Grimm's Fairy Tales. Remember, you had like the Heath yeah. Ledger movie. I mean, you yes had the to that TV for sure. Ser- like you had the TV series that came out. You had, um, but yeah, Leonardo da Vinci because you had the Da Vinci Code was like on bookshelves probably by that point. Oh, I forgot about the Da Vinci Code. How could you forget Apple? The keyword is Apple. Fuck. Um, still angry about it. Um, yeah, so I think that that, like, if you think about it timeline-wise, I bet someone had this beautiful script, and they're like, how can we make it more than, how can we make producers want to do it more than just it's a Cinderella story? Mm-hmm. And, ooh, here's how. Leonardo da Vinci and Grimm's fairy tales are in it. Because bada the bing, Da Vinci Code was popular. Yeah. Oh it's probably true. Yeah. This is all speculation, but I just have a theory. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry about servants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just like the fact that she went to rescue the servant who was going to be sent, you know, away because the stepmother couldn't pay her debts. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then here's another female gaze thing. The prince starts to get intrigued by her because she quotes Utopia and she fights for her servant. Uh, oh. Okay, before we give this a rating, we do have to talk about the Ever After musical. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, With Sierra. Sierra Barella. Um, that's her last name, right? Yes, okay. Wait, um, <laughs> I think you combined... Sarah Bareilles from Waitress with oh, Sierra, Sierra Bodges. Bodges, thank you. Um, well, yeah, you're right. So, sorry. So, of Little Mermaid and Love Never Dies mm-hmm. and Phantom Fame. I know her career. I barely know her name. That's like most actors I know. I'm like, I could list your resume. Don't right. know your name. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're in this, 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 and this. Have you seen any clips from Ever After the Musical? I have not. Okay. Highly recommend. I've only seen one clip and it's when the prince and her meet. And I just don't think it should be a musical. Kind of like Moulin Rouge where it's like, it's so beautiful and gorgeous in movie form that it just doesn't translate that well to musical. Okay. Well, I disagree. I know. It's beautiful and gorgeous in movie form. And no, I no, haven't no. seen the musical, so I cannot speak to that. No, no, no. But I'm saying I don't think it should be a musical because it gotcha. is like perfect in movie form. Was was Jeremy Jordan attached to this at one point or did I just completely imagine that? Um, I do not know for a fact. I feel like Jeremy Jordan was attached to every musical that was in the last 10 years at some point. He either did a workshop for it or like it's Paper Mill Playhouse Run or something. Did I ever tell you we... we did a show together at bush gardens williamsburg no yes there was a time in my life when i stage managed because it was it paid two dollars more an hour than performing i mean but when you were getting that brief time in my life i was a stage manager Mm -hmm. and for some reason that follows me everywhere like people will ask me to stage manage things i'm like no let me be very clear i'm organized with my planner but i am not a qualified stage manager girl girl you probably actually have this one too the amount of people that are like you're a costumer and I'm like I'm not a costumer I can costume yeah please please don't compare my abilities with people that have these actual talents yeah please (laughs) thank you I can I can I can sew a hem and follow a pattern when needed I am not a costumer yeah not often actually and here he is now came up yeah this is our special guest episode <laughs> jeremy jordan what was it like to work with julie yeah it's it, yeah it's just one of those i feel like there are some some movies that they're like we're gonna make this into a musical because it has beautiful costumes and then it just it just i don't know doesn't translate this is I, I don't i can't remember this is this is a tangent love it so let me be very clear we're mm-hmm. going off the rails here done but have you ever heard the story, the dramatic story of the Rebecca musical? No. Oh, look, just look up Scandal Rebecca musical. Done. It Tomorrow, is, it tonight. is like, imagine like a dark, dark plot version of the producers. Ooh. Yes. And also, when you watch clips of the musical, you're like, damn it, I want to see it. My, 
my friend's grandfather died. I know this, I promise this is related. Um, and so he's at the funeral today and I was messaging him. I was like, are you like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? He's one of my best friends. Um, and he's like, not too well. And so I sent him a YouTube video and I was like, no context, just click on it. And it was the full Broadway musical of Dance of the Vampires from 2002 with Michael Crawford. And he's like, I've never laughed so hard in my life. Because it's like our favorite musical that like existed and it's not good, but it is good. Like it's that Rocky Horror level of like, what? So anyway. So if you have any relatives that pass away, I will send you a random musical just to make you laugh. Fantastic. Just be like, Fantastic. no context. Here you go. <laughs> All right. So Julie. So Laura. One out of 10 copies of Utopia. <laughs> what do you rate this movie? Gosh, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. It was, I, I really like it. It just, it made me feel warm. Not because I peed myself, to be clear. <laughs> I'm so excited when you listen to that part back <laughs> when we aired this episode. <laughs> um, I would also give it an eight. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. okay. Because I, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Is it The Mummy? Is it Down With Love? Is it something I'll watch over and over again? No, but like once a year. Definitely. Yeah, I don't love it because it's the best movie in the world. I just, yeah. it's just a warm hug. Yeah, yeah. And it just, whenever whenever I need a good cry, it is like the perfect amount of like separated from my life enough. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. like, if I need a good catharsis, I would definitely put this on. Yeah. So. Yeah. What are you looking forward to, Julie? Um, I'm looking forward to a little, a little family getaway of Mm -hmm. me, the husband Mm -hmm. and, and our sweet, beautiful blind dog. Uh Um, we're going to Helen, Georgia, nice, which is a lovely Alpine village, Mm -hmm. um, in Georgia. And we are going to, I've never been, I've never been. So it's text me all your recommendations. Okay. I don't have a Savannah. I have recommendations. Helen, I was just in for like one day. Okay. So it just yeah. exists for you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Sorry. And now I'm... our next celebrity guest. <laughs> Helen of Georgia. <laughs> what? Um, uh... Yeah. No, I just went, I just went to it one day. So like everything was fascinating. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to be pretty like personal. I have a date tomorrow. Stop it. Yeah. And it was one finding this out now. I thought I'd surprise you. Um, it was actually supposed to happen a week ago, but snow Uh happened to blizzard and we both wanted to reschedule and it's our first date. And, um, I'm just excited about it. And if it comes out to nothing, but it's just, um, same with posting on Instagram. Like, I love this about myself being like, I'm excited for a date. Here we go. So we'll see. I'll have an update. This. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, <laughs> um, hey, all of our listeners. You, 
Huh? I'm good. I'm so good. Uh, hi, listeners. So <laughs> thank you for listening. Um, we're going to probably drink some more before we go to sleep and um, buy our merch, support our other podcasts on the Trident Network. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Uh, can't find the stop button. Oh, no. Ah! I didn't hear my pop culture period peace podcast is a part of the trident network to learn more about our videos live shows and other podcasts please visit the tridentnetwork.com